I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast, Week 7 Sunday Recap. I am your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, and we are back once again to cover 11 games of glorious NFL action. Of course, I say we because I am joined by two of the brightest minds in the fantasy football industry. Returning to drop knowledge once again is the Important Nonsense IDP superstar, the real NWB, Nee Wallace Bruce. Nee, how is it going after all of today's action? Hey, I'm going well, Captain Jack. Hope you're going well as well. Um, look, my team's all still in the hunt across all of my fantasy leagues, so happy days there. There were a few injuries of note, and um, I'm sure we'll dive into that, as well as some of the breakouts that we saw today for our loyal listeners. Some unfortunate injuries, which really does suck. But as always, it is a pleasure to have you back on the show, my friend. So be sure to follow me over on Instagram at TheRealNWB for plenty of thought-provoking content about the NFL, the world of sports, and just life in general. And if you're a returning friend of the show, then you know that it's not just me joining me. And if you're new, be ready to have your mind blown by Dr. Dynasty, John Chansey. John, how are we feeling today? I saw Oklahoma won yesterday, so I'm hoping you're in some good spirits today. Hey, Jack. Glad to be here. And yeah, Boomer Sooner win on the road over TCU, so that's always nice to see. We still got a chance to win the Big 12 uh, despite such a dreadful start. So overall, I'm in pretty good spirits. Uh, things are good. Uh, we've got some nasty weather coming to Oklahoma City tonight and tomorrow, so I'm just kind of hunkering down, trying to stay warm and watching football. Uh, it doesn't really get much better than that. So, uh, yeah, let's talk football, my friends. So glad to have you back on the show, and be sure to follow Dr. Chansey on Twitter at DynastyPhD and on Instagram at Scouser underscore from underscore OKC, because this man is just a fountain of information. And be sure to follow along with all the work that John, me, and myself, as well as the rest of the Important Nonsensers produce on the daily over at importantnonsense.com and on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at NonsenseFF. Let's get to the show. And as many of you know, my favorite thing about the Important Nonsense podcast is that my contract states I'm in charge. And thus, I get to structure the show sheet and pick the first game. Since the Ravens are going on by and they're resting up and installing Des Bryant at X, sending Miles Boykin to the bench, inserting J.K. Dobbins as the Bell Cow RB1, we don't get to talk about the Ravens this week, but I had to slide that in. So instead, we're going to talk about the Battle of the Unbeatens, kick things off with the Pittsburgh Steelers defeating the Tennessee Titans 27-24 to to remain undefeated. Steelers came out early. Had the, had the lead heading into the second half, 24-7, two Deontay Johnson touchdowns in the first half. But Titans almost made made the comeback, and, uh, you know, they fell short ultimately. But Ben Roethlisberger kind of fell back to his old self, as efficient as he's been lately. On the road, struggled once again. Three interceptions, still 65.3% completion rate, and 268 yards. A couple of observations on the Steelers' side of this game is, one, I mean, I think we have to start asking ourselves, are the Steelers 
the best team in the NFL because right now they're playing like it and their record suggests so, and they might have the bit, one of the better wins of the season. Uh, and you mentioned earlier Deontay Johnson had two touchdowns in this game, nine catches overall, 80 yards. This is great, though, but I'm wondering, though, how many people actually started him this week because he, you know, because of injuries and kind of a slow start and Chase Claypool coming on. Uh, you know, you may have, have wasted that great start by Johnson, and that might be the best game we see out of him all season. So I'm just kind of curious uh, how that sort of that shakes out going forward. It really is going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. So Deontay did lead the team with 15 targets. However, Juju Smith-Schuster is not dead despite the rumors. 14 targets, 9 receptions, and led the team with 85 yards. The first time since Antonio Brown left that he has topped 84 yards. And if you remember, Antonio Brown was 84. So maybe Juju is over at the curse that AB left with them. But because Juju and Deontay hogged all the targets, that left us with a goose egg from James Washington and a negative two-yard catch from Chase Claypool. While Eric Ebron ended up being the third option, and I hate that, caught six of eight for 50 yards. And on the ground, it was all James Conner all day, 20 carries, 82 yards, and added 29 yards on three receptions for 111 total on the day. What happened to what happened to Anthony McFarland? I mean, one carry for six yards, no catches. I think he had a target. That's his third consecutive game with less than 10 rushing yards. Uh, I don't know. Maybe somebody, you know, told him he needed to go on the lamb and didn't tell the rest of us. But, you know, obviously he still has some dynasty value, but I would be somewhat concerned uh, in redraft about uh, Anthony McFarland because uh, this has been a pretty rough string of games. And the Steelers have been putting up a lot of points and a lot of yards. So you, you would think that maybe this would be the time he could uh, get more touches and carries and, and whatnot. But doesn't appear to be so at this point of the season. I'm still going to hold out hopes that Booger Jr. is the RB of the future. Maybe James Conner moves on this offseason. We'll see about that. But the Titans did manage to rally in the second half after the really ugly start, but too little too late. Tannehill completed just 60% of his passes on the day, only 220 yards, but did have the two touchdown passes. One of those unfortunately went to Corey Davis, which doesn't really do us much good. For some reason, led the team with 10 targets and still six receptions, 35 yards because Corey Davis isn't that good and fortunately though the other TD did go to the DK Metcalf of the AFC his former teammate from Ole Miss AJ Brown had 153 yards and a score on six receptions and that's right two fewer targets than Corey Davis same number of receptions 118 yards more stop feeding Corey Davis give all the targets to AJ Brown if you have to Sadly, Jonu Smith, just one catch for nine yards. Give him more targets. Give Adam Humphreys more targets. One reception for 19 yards on three targets. And just stop with Corey Davis. It's it's infuriating. Anyways, Derrick Henry did struggle to find room against the Steelers' defense. Just 3.8 yards a carry. Negative three yards on two receptions. Still finished with 75 on the ground and a score to boot. So didn't completely sewer your day. But you, you can't love what you saw from Henry today against this stout defense. You can, however, love what um, we saw from the defense that stopped Derrick Henry. Now, that was, I guess, the main reason why Derrick Henry couldn't get much room. There was a big black and yellow wall in front of him all day. And one of the beneficiaries in IDP was Vince Williams. Now, he's a linebacker that's filling in for Devin Bush, who's out for the year, unfortunately. And Vince had 10 tackles on the day total including two tackles for loss, one sack, and one quarterback hit. So even though Henry didn't get his 
usual 100 plus yards. He still generated a lot of tackles for the IDP. So don't be daunted. When, whenever you see a linebacker coming up against Tennessee, start them with confidence. We're going to stick in the AFC North because we have round two of the Battle of Ohio. And just like the first time the Cleveland Browns come away with the victory, this time 37 to 34. The good news, Baker got his swag back, completed 78.6% of his attempts, 297 yards and five touchdowns. Bad news is, though, he did throw an interception on his first attempt. Odell Beckham made the tackle and suffered what is feared to be a severe knee injury. He'll get an MRI tomorrow to confirm, but his season might be over. What a comeback by the five and two Browns. Um, I don't know if Baker's back, but throwing five touchdowns, that's a great start. It's unbelievable. Uh, The Bengals are pretty bad, but you still have to love to see what Baker did today. I mean, he was just cooking, um, even without, you know, Odell Beckham, which is really a bummer to see. Um, his injury, I think, kind of opens up the door for players like Rashad Higgins. He caught six catches, uh, six passes for 110 yards today. Uh, and maybe even Donovan Peoples-Jones, who caught three passes for 56 yards and a score. Um, you might consider adding one or both of them in Dynasty, depending on where your roster is at, if you need to replace Odell Beckham. Um, it may be really hard to predict who may, which one of those two will uh, pick up the slack, but there's a good chance maybe one. Uh, one of the two of them ends up getting a lot of uh, extra love now that there's some uh, targets available. And so in a game without Odell Beckham for everything other than the first pass attempt and a game where Baker Mayfield did have five touchdowns, really quiet from Jarvis Landry, who continues to rehab from the broken hip and the now the broken ribs as well. Just five receptions for 48 yards on six targets. Instead, we saw the breakout of Harrison Bryant, the rookie out of FAU, two touchdown grabs from him. Four grabs total for 56 yards, while starting tight end Austin Hooper was out with appendicitis. He might not be back next week as well, so you might want to rush out and pick up Harrison Bryant. Or maybe David Njoku, who had a quieter day, two receptions for 20 yards, but also had a touchdown. Also saw the aforementioned score from the Michigan man, DPJ, which won the game. And the final passing touchdown went to Kareem Hunt, finished the day with 102 yards on 21 touches, including three receptions. Valkel back Kareem Hunt while Nick Chubb is out. And on the other sideline, Joe Burrow once again shows all the swag. And once again, his team just cannot put it together and lets him down. Completed 74.7% of his 47 attempts, 406 yards, and three touchdown passes with yet another rushing score on a QB sneak, quickly becoming the next Tom Brady of QB sneaks. Just cannot be stopped on those. Also did have an interception thrown, but the big day from Burrow led to big dates from all of his receivers. Tyler Boyd caught 11 for 101 and a score, tied for the team lead in targets with 13. And the man he tied with, A.J. Green, caught 7 for 82, so he had a pretty good game as well. But the real story is we just need more targets for T. Higgins. The former Clemson Tiger is an absolute monster. Caught all five of his targets, 71 and a score. Get that man the ball. I don't care how you do it. And heading into this game, we all knew that the Bengals would be out without Joe Mixon, who's out with a foot injury. So many of his GMs were starting Giovanni Bernard, ended up with 96 yards from scrimmage, five receptions and a receiving score. So you can't be upset with that off the waiver wire. And you can't be upset with the game in general. I mean, we've got two young quarterbacks here, Baker and Burrow. They're going to be in the AFC North for the foreseeable future, along with Lamar Jackson. This is an exciting division to watch. 
Um, today was a great game. It was great to see the pass, the ball being slung around so much, so many great plays. And today's IDP um, MVP is Ronnie Harrison, the safety from Cleveland. Now, he is, he can't, had nine tackles and one forced fumble, one sack, and one pass defense. So it's interesting that um, he's. Production has increased because Carl Joseph was the starting strong safety this year, but Harrison is slowly, since being traded from the Jaguars, he's taken up more of a role in this offense. So he may have been dropped in your league. He's definitely someone to look out for because he's still young, and I feel like he's going to have a bright future in Cleveland. Now, talking of guys who had traded from the Jaguars, I've got to bring up Mr. Yannick Ngakwe. So he went from Jaguars at the start of the season to Minnesota, and then last week he went from Minnesota to the Ravens. So Jack... As a resident Ravens fan, what are your thoughts on Yannick Ngakwe to Baltimore? I cannot wait. Personally, he reunites with Clayus Campbell, which is great. They made the AFC Championship back with the Jaguars. Also have Matt Judon on that defensive line. Also have a stud secondary. You called them the Legion of Boom 2.0, even though they got rid of Earl Thomas. Complete studs back there with Marcus Peters and Jimmy Smith and uh, Marlon Humphrey, I'm sorry I blanked on him. There's just too much talent back there. So I am very excited. Nee, please tell me this is a good thing for the Ravens and a good thing for IDP. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's a great thing for um, the Ravens. Like you said, they've got a great secondary and they've also got a, a stout um, front seven as well. They're not to be mucked around with. And this is, this is a clearly a move to... This is like um, them seeing the Steelers with TJ Watt and... The, and mm -hmm. Stefan to it and they're saying, okay, we can get a guy who can rush off the edge as well. So on that end, if Ngakwe is in your IDP league as a defensive end, definitely go pick him up. The, I would pause if he's listed as a linebacker because that can kind of diminish his value a little bit when you compare him to other linebackers um, who are designated that position. But in redraft, definitely go pick him up if you can. They're on a bye week, so you can probably pick him up now before the Monday night game. And for Dynasty, I like the look of him as well because Calais Campbell is, he's a stud. He's been playing for a long time in this league, but he is also 30 or 31. So he may not be around forever. Thank you, Nee. That makes me so excited. I love hearing good things about the Ravens, as you all know. We are going to move on, though. And in this game, the big question was, who can blow it the worst? And we got our answer. The Atlanta Falcons choked it away to give the Detroit Lions the 23-22 to victory. Falcons were marching on the final drive. Looked like they were going to be able to pull off the victory. Looked like it was over. And then Todd Gurley pulls off an Ahmad Bradshaw in the Super Bowl. Lions let him score. He accidentally finds the end zone. Detroit gets the ball back. Kenny Galladay pulls off some acrobatics. Matthew Stafford finds TJ Hawkinson in the end zone for the touchdown. And we get off, get the walk-off extra point from Matthew Prater, even though uh, Danny Amendola almost cost the, them the game with the non-sportsmanlike. Ah, so frustrating he's even on the field at this point. But what a game from the Lions and the same old Falcons. Yeah, what a game indeed, Jack. I can't believe I'm saying this, that Detroit, they're still alive in the NFC playoff hunt. Um, they play the Colts next week at home, but after that, they get a four-game stretch uh, of playing teams under 500. so Detroit could be in a really good position there. But even though when they win, they still make me scratch my head. I mean, I think about this backfield and Adrian Peterson. I mean, my gosh, he is just the, floy, uh, the fly and the ointment of their backfield. He gets more carries than, than uh, DeAndre Swift. 
despite everybody uh, knowing around him. It's no secret that Swift is clearly the better option, uh, not only in fantasy purposes, just but just for this team in general. And it's just really maddening to see uh, for fantasy purposes. It's infuriating. Like you have the next Alvin Kamara on your hands, and yet you're feeding Adrian Peterson, who I know he looked great to start the year, but it's over for him. So there's several drives that ended with Peterson getting nothing on first and second down and an incomplete on third down, just 48 yards from from Swift, who did have 44 receptions and did have a rushing score as well to save his day, thankfully. Stafford finished the day with a nice 69.4% completion rate and 340 yards through the air, but it was just the one tutter to TJ Hawkinson, who finished with five guards for 59 and a score. Would have liked to see more from him. Kenny Galladay was great as always, 114 yards on six grabs. And we did see Marvin Jones come back to life. We can take him off the milk carton, apparently. 80 yards on five snags. Great day for the Lions all around. Very happy to see that. And the Falcons fall to one and six. They stink. I don't know how things get better in Atlanta. Jack, I I don't either. I I got a pretty good laugh this weekend when I saw some reports that came out saying the Falcons – won't trade Matt Ryan or Julio Jones. And I just, I cannot imagine why they wouldn't at least kick the tires. They are in such a bad position when it comes into their cap space for the future. They have virtually no wiggle room to improve that way. They have a bunch of huge contracts weighing them down and they're clearly not a good team. Right now, it kind of feel like, feels like the Atlanta Falcons are the captain of the Titanic worrying about the deck chairs. I mean, come on. Move on. Start over. It truly feels like this franchise just needs to hit the reset button. It needs to start from scratch. Sell your assets. Let Matt Ryan chase a ring with a team that can actually support him. We ended up seeing a 73.8% completion rate from Maddie Luke Warm. Completed or had 338 yards and one touchdown pass, which went to Calvin Ridley. Ridley finished the day with five receptions for a nice 69 yards. Julio finished with eight for 97, but true to form, could not find the end zone. Hayden Hurst, solid six for 68. Russell Gage, six for 54. So lots of empty calories, lots of nothingness. Atlanta Falcons are brutal. And the Falcons as a team, probably real pissed at Todd Gurley right now for scoring that touchdown at the end. But his fantasy GMs are thrilled. 82 yards on 25 touches, brutal 2.7 yards a carry, absolutely terrible, but found the end zone twice, gave your fantasy team a great boost, even if it cost his team the victory. Yes, Jack, and the two leagues where I have Todd Gurley in, I'm going to get the victory. So thank you for falling into the end zone, mate. Um, as much needed. Uh, look, the Falcons remind me a bit of the LA Dodgers. They're the team that spends big. And they get this lead, and they kind of they choked it away like the Dodgers did in Game Four of the World Series this weekend. But I still believe in the Raheem Morris um, era. I, th- I think he can turn things around. He's got the offense coming again, so hope he gets a shot to keep it going. Anyway, IDP MVP for today is defensive end Romeo Aquart from the Lions. He had three tackles, including one tackle for loss, one forced fumble two sacks, and three quarterback hits. This is a guy you can pick up off your waiver wire this week, and he is very productive off the edge. Moving into our next game, and look, I think we all expected this to be an ugly one, but I don't think anyone expected it to get this 
ugly. So for the first time this season, Jets had a lead at halftime, 10 to 6. Of course, they could not keep this lead. And of course, the Bills came back and won, but did so in the ugliest fashion possible. Tyler, kicker Tyler Bass was the only player to put up any points on the scoreboard for the Bills. Six of eight on field goals with a long of 53. And Buffalo just couldn't find the end zone. We did see Josh Allen top the 300-yard mark, though, which was nice to see. After zero games of 300 yards passing in his first two seasons in the NFL, Allen started real hot, three in a row over 300, and then zero over 300 over his next three, including bottoming out at the 122 yards passing against the Chiefs. So nice to see the rebound there. Stephon Diggs went down at one point, came back later, and ended the day with just six receptions for 48 yards on 11 targets. Yeah, there's no TDs today for Josh Allen, which you hate to see, but he does bail you out on the fantasy side of things by being the Bills' leading rusher. And speaking of the rush, you know, the, the, the running attack, I just think it's really hard to trust either Singletary or Moss at this point. Both are, are decent players, but they're splitting in. They're basically splitting the carries 50-50. That's what they did today. Uh, and really didn't do much with the touches they had. They combined for 15 carries, 76 yards. Both players caught a few passes, but nothing really spectacular. Um, today, for the Bills, pretty much a stinker from a fantasy purpose, unless you played Cole Beasley. He caught 11 catches for 112 yards. He's just a PPR monster, and he's so underrated at times. I, I feel like he's a guy right now, if you have a, de a trade deadline in your league, uh, your dynasty league or otherwise, just take a flyer. Just send out a trade offer for Cole Beasley. Um, I think you'll just be pleasantly surprised how often he 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 makes you happy uh, in a PPR game more often than he disappoints you. So we have this from our boss at nonsense underscore Steve, Steve Bonham. And he just like to point out Josh Allen's first four games was averaging 30.09 points per game. QB three in that time. Our analysis at that point, sell high. This won't possibly last. We've never seen this from Josh Allen before. And the Internet, you're an idiot. He's the MVP. We're not selling him. Josh Allen over the last three games, 16.93 points per game, the QB 20. And as always, Steve would like you to remember that if someone will give you top 10 QB value for Allen at this point, are you still going to hold on? You shouldn't. You should sell high on Josh Allen, if still possible. Yes, and further to that, take a look at the Buffalo schedule for the rest of the season. It's not pretty. It's got the Patriots a couple of times, the Seahawks, uh, the Steelers. Get out now while you can out on Josh Allen and the Bills. On the Jets side, though, there's nothing to really write home about, so we'll do this quick. Darnold, just 52.2% of his passes, 120 yards, two picks, no interceptions. Was great to see Denzel Mims lead the team with seven targets, four receptions, and 42 yards, but garbage team all around. Only excitement is Mims for the future. And Brashad Perriman caught both of his targets for 27 yards. Frank Gore carried the ball 11 times for 60 yards. And LaMichael Pirine scored the touchdown, carried the ball 11 times for 39 yards, added two receptions for 16 yards. That's it. I'm sorry. There's nothing more to add. Hey, but the Jets are good at one thing. They're good at tanking. They're in the driver's seat for that number one overall pick. And if we look at the rest of their schedule, it's not great. They play Kansas City on the road next week. Go to, or they have New England coming in, then go to the Chargers. Their only real quote unquote winnable game, I think, is maybe the Dolphins at home in week 11. But even then, I, I don't even know if they'll be favored in that game. I just think it's the one possible win, uh, game that's winnable. Um, and my gosh, poor Trevor Lawrence, if he gets taken by this team, I mean, uh, my gosh, he needs to take out one of those insurance policies. 
No doubt about that. Um, maybe he'll stay in college. No, no, I think he will come out. Uh, jokes aside, IDP MVP for this game is defensive end from Buffalo, Jerry Hughes. The grand old man of the Bills Mafia had six tackles today, including one tackle for loss, two sacks, one pass defended, one interception, one forced fumble, and two quarterback hits. I think all he needed there was an interception, uh, sorry, a touchdown, and he would have had all the stats covered. Anyway, a great day from Mr. Hughes. As always, Nee manages to find happiness even in the darkest of times by focusing on the IDP side. However, I am a bitter, bitter man who can only handle so much of this ugliness. And that means we're going to take a break and hear from the always lovely at nonsense underscore Steve, Steve Bonham, and a word from our sponsors. We are back. And thank you for that, Steve. You are such a great boss. And I am so sorry for what I'm about to do. But I just want you to know it's not your fault. Texans were blown out of the building 35-20 by the Packers in a game that wasn't close at any point. Went down 21-0 in the first half. Just never really came close to coming back. Before the game, NFL Network's Tom Pelissero talked to David Johnson, who said interim head coach Romeo Cornell came in to address the team's trade rumors. And it kind of sounds like that after what happened against the Packers, there's a lot of people who could be on the move. Texans now one and six. We'll see what happens going forward. Yeah, I mean, how could the Texans not be having a, just a flat, just a fire sale uh, after a game like this? They're one and six. They need to be like uh, Dr. Tobias Fugate from Arrested Development. Just sell, sell, sell. Everything has to go except for Deshaun Watson. Uh, literally, get rid of everything you can. This team has very little room to improve otherwise. They don't have their first and second round pick this year. They have $9 million of cap room in, in 2021. You can't bring this team back. I mean, trade J.J. Watt, you can get $15 million. You can trade Brandon Cooks for about the 100th time. Who knows, maybe you can get another first round pick for him. But how could you roll this team out again? Uh, it's just a disservice to Deshaun Watson and anybody who likes this team, uh, including our boss, Steve. Yeah, so you got to keep Watson. You got to keep Tunsil, the left tackle, who they just paid all that money to. And then whatever else you, you can get, just do it. I would understand if they keep Watt in order to keep the fan base from completely revol revolting, but this is a lost season and they need to build back up around Deshaun Watson. Watson finished the day 309 yards, two scores through the air, added 38 yards on the ground, which almost led the team. David Johnson had just 42 yards on 14 carries. Also had 42 yards and a score on four receptions, though, so saved to stay 84 yards and the touchdown. Other TD went to Will Fuller, but he finished with just three receptions for 35 yards on six targets. Instead, it was Randall Cobb leading the team in targets with 10, receptions with eight, and yards with 95. Brandon Cooks hauled in 7-9 for 60, and it's going to be really interesting to see what this offense looks like after next week's bye, who's still in the lineup. But on the other side of the field, you knew Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to have back-to-back -back garbage games. And the revenge tour is back on. Completed 67.6% .6 of his passes, 283 yards, and four touchdowns while feeding Devontae Adams throughout the game. Adams finished with a very nice 69.3% of the team's receiving yards, 13 grabs, 196 yards, and two tugs. Didn't leave much work for anyone else on the offense. Big Bob Tunyon finished third in yards with 32 on just two grabs. The other touchdowns went to Malik Taylor, two grabs for six yards and that score. Jay Sternberger caught a three-yard TD. Only player, really, that was capable of eating aside from Rodgers and Adams 
was Jamal Williams, filled in very admirably for Aaron Jones, who was out the calf strain. Williams had 23 touches, four receptions, 114 yards with a rushing score. Meanwhile, the rookie second rounder, the man that Dr. Dynasty compared to Saquon freaking Barkley, A.J. Dillon, five carries, 11 stagnant yards. Those words will never come back to haunt me. Never. Not even if there's a fire. I've got to stand with um, Dr. Dynasty here. I believe in A.J. Dillon. And calf strains, I'm not. I'm no doctor, unlike Dr. Dynasty, but... They don't seem like a one-week proposition. So we could be seeing Williams out there for, and maybe we might see Dylan out there in uh, the coming weeks. Nevertheless, today's IDP MVP is on the Green Bay Packers side of the ball. It is safety Adrian Amos. Today he had six total tackles, one tackle for loss, one sack, one fumble recovery, and a quarterback hit. We were treated to a first-half shootout that seemed to simmer in the second half as the New Orleans Saints pulled off the 27-24 victory over their NFC South rivals, the Carolina Panthers. And Drew Brees looked invigorated coming off the bye, completed 80.6% of his 36 attempts, 287 yards, two passing touchdowns, and had a rushing score on a QB sneak, all while missing his top two receivers. Michael Thomas was out. Emmanuel Sanders was out. In their place, Alvin Kamara, you know, he's always his usual self. 22 touches, including eight receptions, 148 yards. Unfortunately, didn't find the end zone, but whatever. You can't be upset with Alvin Kamara when he's putting up numbers like that. The big story, though, was Marquez Callaway. Six foot two, 240 pounds, undrafted rookie out of Tennessee. Wide receiver one on the day. Eight grabs on 10 targets, 75 yards. Unfortunately, didn't score. Touchdowns were reserved for Jared Cook. 3 for 32 in that score, and Deontay Harris, 4 for 46, and one touchdown as well. But with Michael Thomas already reportedly doubtful for Week 8 with the hamstring, is Marquez Callaway the Saints' new wide receiver one? And is Drew Brees back? So let's address this one at a time. I think one, if we're looking at Marquez Callaway, I think this week he's definitely going to be one of the top waiver targets for, for redraft and for dynasty purposes, and obviously should be. Uh, with so much rumor and innuendo swirling around uh, Michael Thomas about him possibly getting traded or not playing, I mean, either way, you need to replace you know uh, that that those targets in your in your lineup. Um, but I think we need to be careful about Callaway as the potential heir apparent. Even if he is the number one receiver for the New Orleans Saints, uh, he's not playing with the same Drew Brees, uh, and the ball I think now will be distributed more to players like Kamara, Cook, Traquan Smith. Deontay Harris. So I, I could easily see some weeks, yeah, Callaway is going to be the guy, but I also could see them vacillating between who leads the targets and teams uh, in terms of uh, targets and catches on a week to week basis. And so in terms of Breeze, I think so. I think he's pretty reliable at this point as a fantasy option, but let's see how he looks against some better defenses like he has coming up. He plays Chicago, Tampa, and the 49ers. Um, before I before we put Breeze back in that must-start uh, category of quarterbacks. Yeah, look, um, I know Dr. Dynasty is, a, is cautious um, with Mr. Callaway, but I'm not so cautious. I believe that Callaway's season has come early, and we need to jump on board. I was sold when I saw him a couple weeks ago on Monday Night Football against the Chargers, and Drew Breeze is just looking for him. And the same again today. He's, he's targeted often. And one thing we need to consider here with the Saints is that, yes, Michael Thomas has been the subject of trade rumors, but Manuel Sanders, his contract is up at the end of the year. And 
He's been a great servant of the game, a great producer in Fessy, but Father Time is undefeated. And I feel like Callaway has the pathway to sustaining this kind of wide receiver production, whether it's Drew Brees or even Jameis Winston throwing the ball to him next season. So in Dynasty, you want to get ahead of the curve. You don't want to wait and have to blow your free agent budget or your auction budget. And I think you could do worse than to stash Marcus Callaway right now for your team for the future. While Carolina couldn't get the victory, Teddy Two Gloves played with the swagger that I knew he had, and the rest of the world is finally getting to see. Completed 82.1% of his passes for 254 yards and two tutters against his former team. Saints clearly the better team far and away, though, but I will say it again. The Panthers are going to upset some teams down the stretch. They're going to play spoiler down the road. And Robbie Anderson, back in the wide receiver one chair in terms of targets for Carolina, caught six of eight for 74 yards. But DJ Moore was back with his game-breaking yards after catchability, gaining 93 yards and scoring twice on just four receptions. But very disappointing day from Mike Davis. Five receptions, 24 yards, 12 yards rushing on seven attempts. And now he's probably headed for the bench with Christian McCaffrey, expected to return for the Panthers in Week 8 against the Falcons. I was busy marveling at the performance of Shaq Thompson today. So the linebacker from the Panthers enjoyed 13 tackles, and he's our IDP MVP. So the trend continues, folks. Start your linebackers from Carolina and start your linebackers against Alvin Kamara. In the same way that we want to target guys going up against Derrick Henry, Kamara, and Ezekiel Elliott, get those linebackers in your lineups. They're going to get plenty of tackles because those running backs, they get 20 carries plus each game, profit in IDP. And speaking of Ezekiel Elliott and the Dallas Cowboys, once again, they come out flat in the first half. It's 22-3 to at halftime. They barely have 80 total yards. And now without Dak Prescott, they can't have that second-half spark. No magic anymore. Cowboys are just awful. Game ended 25-3 to for the team. Looks like Mike McCarthy's going to be one and done. Looks like the Cowboys are going to be picking in the top five. Good news is, though, they'll have a shot at the best non-quarterback in the draft, Oregon left tackle Penny Sewell. But the Cowboys just need so much help. Seventh different starting combo on the offensive line. Help contribute to Dalton plummeting down to earth. Dreadful 9 for 19, 75 yards and an interception. Pass catchers suffered completely. Mari Cooper was the only one to do anything, 7 for 80. And then Dalton Schultz was the only other player with more than one reception. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I'm serious. Two receptions for 22 from him. Gallup, zero. Lamb, zero. Zeke, one for six. Tony Pollard, one for six. On the ground, 45 yards from Zeke. On the ground, P Pollard had 16 as well. It's just so, so bad. Jack, when it rains, it pours in Dallas. I mean, you, you're right. I, I think the Cowboys are another team that really should consider tanking. They only have two wins so far, uh, and things really are not getting any easier. They go to Philly next week and then have Pittsburgh at home after that. They just look terrible. They can get a top three to five pick maybe. They can use it to, like you said, either get the best non-quarterback or if they land in the top three, you could sell that pick off to the highest bidder in a QB desperate team with three uh, potentially uh, top three quarterbacks in the draft. Um, you know, Or what if the Cowboys really lucked into Trevor Lawrence? I mean, I don't think that's going to happen, but you, know, you could get Trevor Lawrence and then not have $40 million to spend on a quarterback. And uh, it's kind of the best of both worlds. But for now, I think I was wrong about any Dalton. The, the, the Cowboys need to roll with Ben DiNucci. 
the next great Italian-American quarterback, a la Vinny, Vinny Testaverde, Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's let this rookie out of James Madison, who's a little more mobile uh, than Dalton is. Let's see what he can cook up because uh, he, he had a pretty good season in his one year of, of, of starting for James Madison. It might be kind of fun uh, to see him with the, with this talent. So I recommend taking a deep flyer on him in Dynasty uh, if, you, if you have uh, Dak on your roster. Otherwise, yeah, it's uh, it's time to abandon ship for the Cowboys. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. So the Cowboys are completely crumbling, no stability. Meanwhile, their rivals, the Washington football team, Ron Rivera is bringing a lot of stability and a lot of standards to a franchise that didn't have either of those things for years, if they ever did. And it was reported earlier this week that they will continue to be the Washington football team for the 2021 season. And I'm wondering if that's just going to be the name they keep and they're going to embrace the hilariousness of it, or maybe they change their name to the Washington Voters or the Washington Go Voters. Anyways, with Kyle Allen on the lineup throwing 194 yards and two scores, we got to see Terry McScorin ball, and we got to see Logan Thomas look like the next Darren Waller. McLaurin had seven grabs for 90 and a tug. Logan Thomas had four for 60 and a score. All things we love to see, and we also love to see Antonio Gibson get to ball. Yeah, Jack. I mean, this was his first 100-yard game of the season as a rusher. 20 carries, 128 yards, and a touchdown. Um, and I'm wondering now, we're getting close to the midway point of the season. Where do you all have uh, Gibson ranked in your – if you had to re-rank the, uh, the running backs from the 2020 draft, where would Gibson fit? Like right now, I think it's probably Taylor uh, and CEH somewhere with one and two. You probably throw James Robinson in there as the surprise pick, maybe at three. But uh, Gibson, I don't think is very far behind. What are the, what do you two think? Now, look, I, I got to co-sign that, um, Doctor. It's for me, it's Taylor and Ch, and then I'm putting Gibson in at third because at, before the start of the season, he had Bryce Love and Darius guys in front of him, but those guys have fallen by the wayside. It's it's Antonio Gibson season in DC, and after that, it's probably Robinson and um, Mr. Swift in Detroit. I still will stick to my pre-draft evaluation. I still think DeAndre Swift is the next Alpha Kamara. Still putting him at three. Going to put Gibson at four and probably James Robinson at five at this point. And Cam Akers, ugh, I don't know how far he's fallen, but he is way off the board at this point. The perfect buy-low opportunity from Mr. Akers. Anyway, IDP MVP for this game was linebacker Cole Holcomb from the football team. He had five total tackles, including one tackle for loss, one sack, one interception, one pass defended, and two quarterback hits. A great day for Mr. Holcomb. Oh, and well, he completely gave Zeke the business all day. He one of the pass defense was against Ezekiel Elliott, and on his sack, he ran over Zeke. So great day from Cole, terrible day from Zeke. But we've heard enough about the fall of America's team. We've heard all about the rise of the football team. And now let's hear a word from our sponsors. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game. That's right. And there are three ways for you to play. Stat shootout, rapid fire, and more or less. Stat Shootout, you put together a two or three player team that will accumulate the most of whatever stat you've chosen to play. Touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds your chosen goal, you'll win. And the higher the target goal, the more you win. 
So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee. Or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry fee. Obviously, you gotta go big or go home. Then we've got Rapid Fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Julio or Devontae Adams. Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win. But like we said, the higher risk, the higher the reward. Yup, I only need to get two out of three matchups right, and I win 1.5 times my entry. But then, when I go all in, and I can get five out of five, I'm looking at 15 times the payout. I can buy a lot of Josh Jacobs jerseys with that money. You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. Depending on the contest, you'll be given two to six players and their statistic target for that game, like Austin Eckler with over under four and a half receptions against the Raiders. You have to decide if that player is going to get more or less than that target number. Just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return. You can go two for two and get 1.5 times the payout, or you've got the nerve. You can attempt to go six for six and hit 30 times the payout. So many Josh Jacobs jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. I do love free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code nonsense and monkey knife fight will match your deposit up to fifty dollars this is literally playing with house money guys go sign up on monkey knife fight with the promo code nonsense and get in on the action this weekend we are back but unfortunately the new england patriots are not ugly ugly day from cam newton who just hasn't looked right since he came off the reserve slash covid list 9 of 15, 3 interceptions, just 98 passing yards, only 19 on the ground, and eventually Jarrett Stidham ended up coming in the game. This was bad. Yeah, this really was just an awful game for the Patriots. It kind of feels like they're falling back to earth, uh, especially this month. I mean, things have just completely flipped on their head. Uh, makes me wonder if Tom Brady was right to abandon the ship before things really got bad. This is starting to feel like the Titanic sinking because uh, this team's just not very good. Cam looks like a train wreck in October. I mean, he had three picks today, two against Denver, so five in the last two games. He gets benched for Stedham, like you said. And right now, for fantasy purposes, I I just don't know how you can start any specific uh, Patriot player right now with much certainty uh, because it's just a lot of question marks everywhere. And Belichick says that Cam will be the starter next week, and it's easy to see why Jarrett Stidham went 6 of 10 for 64 and an interception. But this team's just terrible. Like, Jacoby Myers led the receivers with 60 yards on four receptions, and Damian Harris, 58 yards on the ground. Patriots as a whole sucked. Cam can't save them. Superman can't save them. And it wasn't much better from Jimmy G either. Completed 80% of his passes, which was great. 277 yards, which is fine. Two interceptions and no touchdowns. Instead, Jeff Wilson hogged it all with 112 yards and three rushing touchdowns. Unfortunately, though, he went down and didn't return. But that didn't mean Jarek McKinnon got in the game. No, 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 sir. He did not. Three carries, negative one yard, while Jermichael Hasey had nine carries for 57. What the heck was that? 
And that receiver, Brandon Ayuk, looked like the first round, rounder that the 49ers drafted him to be. Six grabs, 115 yards. Debo Samuel had five for 65, but also left with an injury, so keep an eye on that. Meanwhile, George Kittle, five for 55. Yes, yes, yes. The Niners get the W, but it was at a cost with a few injuries. There is word that Tevin Coleman, the running back, might be back next week, so we'll watch, watch and see on that one. The IDP MVP for today was linebacker Fred Warner. The, the 49ers guy in the middle had seven tackles, one interception, and one pass defended. This guy, is, he mans the inside linebacker spot, but he has incredible coverage. The stats on him are incredible. So he can do both run-stopping and make plays in the coverage game. A great linebacker. Los Angeles Chargers beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 39-29, and Justin Herbert is confirmed a baller. <laughs> to say the least, Jack. I mean, Herbert is just so, so good already. I mean, he threw for 347 uh, yards, three TDs, and he still led the Chargers in rushing with 66 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he's just so fun to watch already. Uh, and him being this good, I think, puts a little bit of pressure on the Dolphins and Tua, uh, because if, if Tua isn't this great player that they tanked for, then they're really going to be scratching their heads and wondering why didn't we take Justin Herbert because he is he is just lights out already. You have to wonder what's going on at Oregon to make him look so, so bad compared to what we've seen in the NFL. It's night and day difference. Anyways, though, Keenan Allen led the team with 125 yards on 10 grabs. Jalen Guyton once again had the long score, finished the day with 84 yards and the touchdown on just two grabs. And both backup tight ends scored nothing from Hunter Henry, but Donald Parham, the XFL legend, had a 22-yard touchdown. And Virgil Green had a 26-yard score in which he suffered what looked like a season-ending ankle injury. So our thoughts are with him as he goes through his recovery. And I'm sure the Chargers missed Austin Eckler, even with the win. 53 yards on 17 touches from Joshua Kelly. 55 yards on 10 touches from Justin Jackson. Joe Reed, the Chargers rookie fifth round receiver, was actually the one who had the rushing score, which was not great if you started either of these running backs. And on the other sideline, Minshew Mania has cooled significantly. Kind of sounds like he might get benched for Mike Glennon at some point. And I don't see what good that's going to do anyone, but whatever the Jaguars are tanking, I understand. 51.9% completion rate from Minshew, 173 yards and two scores with another 21 yards on the ground. It's really sad to see all around um, the declining of Minshew mania, this, the hype around this offense. It was a lot of fun while it lasted, but uh, I'm really sad to see it affect uh, players like DJ Chark. I mean, what happened to this guy? He gets seven targets, but only catches one pass for 26 yards, and it's so disappointing. Uh, the Jaguars scored nearly 30 points, and you can't get anything uh, much of anything out of DJ Chark. So just sad all around. Very sad indeed. He saw seven targets, could not connect at all. Ugly as can be, ended up leading the way was LaVisca Chenault with three receptions for 44 yards. James O'Shaughnessy had 32 yards, and Chris Conley had a 28-yard score on his only reception. Ugly day from anyone on the offense, not named James Robinson, who showed us all why he stole the starting job from Uncle Len this summer. 119 yards on the ground, four receptions and 18 yards. Ends the day with two scores. Love to see that from the undrafted rookie, but the rest of the Jaguars team, yuck. Yeah, it was not pretty from the Jags. But 
there were some benefits for our IDP friends. So, if you had Desmond King, the cornerback, in your team, you had a very good day. He is our IDP MVP for today. He had four tackles, one sack, and one quarterback hit. And the King has punt return yardage. He also returns punts when he's not on defense. So, this is a cheat code in IDP because Desmond King is designated as a cornerback, but he spends a lot of time at safety and and returns punts as well. So he's a versatile player. Someone you want to pick up if you need cornerback help. Tom Brady has turned the tables and is now winning the battle with Bill Belichick as the Buccaneers get the 45-20 to victory over the Las Vegas Raiders. Brady, super nice day with 369 yards passing and four touchdowns. Scotty Miller led the way with six receptions, 109 yards and a score. Chris Godwin, great day as well. Nine receptions, 88 yards and a score. Gronk got to spike it, five for 62 and a tutter. And our favorite rookie sleeper, Tyler Johnson, also found the end zone, which was all great. And that running back, we got to see Leonard Fournette, not that impressive, but still managed to compile 97 total yards on 17 touches, including six receptions, which was much better than the 36 yards and four on 14 touches that Ronald Jones had. Yeah, Jack. I mean, it's it's back to earth for Ronald Jones. It seems like he still found the end zone, but really just the split of carries and touches between him and Fournette. It's really not great for either, to be honest. So it's hard for me to trust either player going forward, even in a day where the the Buccaneers look unstoppable. Yeah, I might be wrong about Fournette, but I'm hoping I'm also not wrong about Rojo. I don't want to take two L's this season on those two players. So let's hope that doesn't happen. Thanks for reminding me that he did find the end zone, though, Huck. And Derek Carr, he also had a nice-looking stat line, 66.7% completion rate, 284 yards, and two scores. But as always, it looks nice on paper, and we're kind of left wanting when it comes, uh, comes to the end of the day. Darren Waller had a solid day, 6 for 50 and a score. But unless you started him or Nelson Aguilar, the Raiders completely let you down. What an awful, awful, awful game for Josh Jacobs. 10 carries for a measly 17 yards. I believe he had a few catches too, but nothing really to to, to save the day. I mean, really, I think the big takeaway is the Bucks defense is just really good because the Raiders' offense has been humming the last few weeks and looking pretty good, uh, but looked pretty much stifled by the Bucks. And yeah, you mentioned Nelson Aguilar. Apparently, you've got to pick him up. Uh, on the waivers because he's really good now. He uh, you know caught five pat- catches, 107 yards, a touchdown. This is the third game in a row that he's caught a TD pass. So this definitely isn't a fluke. They are really trying to find ways to get him the ball uh, on this offense. Doc, I can't do it. I can't go out and get Nelson Aguilar. I still remember the days when he was Nelson Aguilar, and I can't. I can't. <laughs> anyway. The IDP MVP for this game is linebacker from Tampa Bay, Devin White. He was very busy. And I'll admit it, when I heard the story this week that the Raiders offensive line had been sent home, they weren't able to practice together, I thought, okay, you're going to fire up the Tampa Bay defenders. And Devin White was the main beneficiary. He had 11 total tackles, including one tackle for loss, three sacks, one forced fumble, and three quarterback hits. He was a busy man today. I'm glad you said it about Nelson Aguilar and me because whenever I think of him, all I can remember is that man who was catching babies out of the window and made fun of Aguilar, said that it's a good thing he didn't drop it because he's not Nelson Aguilar. 
absolutely terrible. And we're going to close things out with another AFC West team getting stomped. This time it's by a division rival, though. The Kansas City Chiefs get the 43-16 victory over the Denver Broncos and continue to absolutely dominate. They didn't even need Patrick Mahomes to do anything. Only 200 yards and a passing touchdown to Tyreek Hill. Finished the day with 6 for 55. Once again, bailed out by the touchdown, which is so frustrating for us. Travis Kelsey GMs are also frustrated, on the other hand. Three for 31 and a fumble. But you know what? You've gotten enough from Kelsey at this point. Don't get greedy. Everyone has down weeks. The Chiefs are just like the post office. Uh, come rain, sleet, or snow, you're, you're not stopping them. You're not slowing them down no matter what. They can have a bad game or a mediocre game from Patrick Mahomes, and they still beat you by 27 points. I mean, that's just scary. Uh, it's unreal. Uh, and it's really really good to see, though, Nicole Hardman come back off the missing persons report. I mean, he caught two catches, 57 yards, had a carry for 13 yards, so not terrible. Uh, he just has so much potential and just gets not enough touches. And it's really disappointing for me to see every week. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had another solid day, 63 total in a score, while Le'Veon Bell made his debut, six carries and 39 yards. Instead, though, all about the DST with multiple return touchdowns, but we'll get to that later. Drew Locke does not look like the answer in Denver, though. Just 254 yards passing, 60% completion rate, and two interceptions. Although he did have a rushing score, it's just not good in general. All of his pass catchers struggled. Tim Patrick, three for 44. Jerry Judy, two for 20. And Albert Okwabunum was leading the way with seven for 60, which just when he your tight end two is leading the way, not a good day at all. Hey, some positive news, though. Welcome back, Noah Fant. He caught three passes for 38 yards, which is, eh, you know, for the most part, it's pretty, it's pretty meager. But just love to see him back on the field because I think this guy just has so much potential if Denver can get the quarterback right. And finally, for the running backs, Philip Lindsay was the much better player. 79 yards rushing on nine carries. Left the game with an injury, though, so Melvin Gordon ended up with 80 yards and a rushing score. Yuck. Yes, a great game for the defending champions. And the IDP MVP was safety Daniel Sorensen. He had nine total tackles, one pass defended, and one interception, which he then took to the house for a touchdown. A great day for the Chiefs. And a great day for Mr. Sorensen. That wraps up our recap of the Sunday slate. We are currently at halftime of the Seahawks versus the Arizona Cardinals game. And the Seahawks are leading 27-17. to We've got two touchdown passes from Russell Wilson, both of went, which went to Tyler Lockett. 133 yards and two touchdowns. So he is back in full force. Also have two touchdown passes from Tyler Murray, one to DeAndre Hopkins, and one to Christian Kirk. And that's going to do it from us here on the Important Nonsense Podcast. NFL Sundays are truly the greatest day of the week. Such an honor to be able to recap all of this with such intelligent gentlemen such as yourselves. Dr. Chansey, do you have any parting words for all of those in the audience captivated by your knowledge? Or do you have any fire hot takes ahead of tomorrow's Monday night matchup between the Chicago Bears and the Los Angeles Rams? Jack, me, I had a great time as always. So thanks for having me. It was fun. Um, the days are getting colder and shorter when, and this seems to be good for watching football, but not always good for your well-being. So just make sure you get outside, walk around, drink some water, take a break from your phone uh, if you need to, clear your head. Because uh, I ultimately think you'll make better decisions on your fantasy team if you take better care of yourself. So uh, as far as the Monday night matchup, hey, last week I went one and one on my picks. Uh, and Monday night, so not great. Sorry, I couldn't do better. 
But I really think this week, if you want to make some extra money, take the Bears to cover on the road, minus six against the Rams. In L.A., there are no fans in this game, and I really don't think the gap between these teams is all that large um, and home field advantage. So I really don't think minus six, is it's too high for the Rams. Um, I think the Rams will probably win, but the Bears will keep it close. So I don't know. Maybe next week we'll see. Uh, hopefully, I'm, hopefully I'm right on this one and you can make some money. And be sure to follow John over on Twitter at DynastyPhD and on Instagram at Scouser underscore from underscore OKC. Because I've got to tell you, the amount of intelligence in this man's brain is just overflowing into all of his social media. And as always, the compliments that I give John can be just as easily applied to the IDP legend, Nee Wallace-Bruce. Nee, it was an absolute pleasure having you as always. Do you have any parting pearls of wisdom to leave with all of your fans or any Monday night hot takes. Thanks again, Captain Jack, and thanks to the Doctor Dynasty for his thoughts as always. It's a pleasure to be with you guys once again, and I'm sure we'll do it again next week, hopefully. Now, for Monday Night Football, I know I struck out when I said Cedric Wilson was the guy to look out for. I still believe you should look out for him, even more so now that Ben DiNucci could the guy under center for the Cowboys going forward. Uh, but Jordan Hicks and the Cardinals had a good night, and he's having a decent night again in Sunday Night Football against the Seahawks. So, for this primetime game coming up, Monday Night Football, Bears and Rams, I want you to pay attention to the wide receiver, wide receiver Josh Reynolds. He's held off Van Jefferson as the third wide receiver in Sean McVay's pass-heavy offense, and he's building rapport with Jared Goff as a field stretcher. He's taken over that Brandon Cooks role. So, pay attention to him and... You might want to stash him down the line. Also, if you need IDP, IDP help late in your matchup this week and you're listening to us before your Monday night game, see if you can snap up linebacker Michael Kaiser from the Rams or safety to Sean Gibson from the Bears before the game. Both guys are going to get a lot of tackles. Otherwise, as always, remember to mask up, wash your hands, and be good to each other. Absolutely love it. As always, be sure to follow me over on Instagram at the real NWB for tons of informative content. And be sure to check out all the work that the three of us put up as long as the rest of the important nonsensers over on importantnonsense.com and on all the socials at nonsenseff. I've been your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, and it's been a pleasure as always to cover all of the Week 7 action with you. And if you've enjoyed yourself, make sure you leave us a five-star review. And if you haven't, Make sure you hit up at that FF nerve for all of your complaints. Stay safe, wear a mask, get out and vote, and most importantly, don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!